Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. Arizona's Attorney General candidates came face-to-face earlier this week to debate the issues. We'll have the highlights. Plus, a new court ruling on abortion and a new poll on the impact it could have in November. We'll discuss with OH Predictive Insights' Mike Noble and ASU political science professor Dr. Gina Woodall. San Luis Mayor-elect Nevis Rydell sits down for a candid conversation about life along the border. And Yuma County Elections Director Tiffany Anderson is here to get us ready for early voting. But first, let's get to the debate. Republican Abe Palmaday and Democrat Chris Mays have traded barbs through the media, but until Wednesday night, they hadn't met in person. Their mutual appearance at the Arizona Clean Elections Commission debate brought plenty of verbal fisticuffs, including this exchange over candidate qualifications. You know, I've been a prosecutor. I've actually had to deal with victims. I put criminals away. But my opponent, she's only been a professor of environmentalism and a former journalist. So I don't think she has the legal experience that she's trying to claim. Uh, again, uh, uh, he seems to not be listening. But uh, I, was an, I was an Arizona Corporation Commissioner, which is a judicial position. So I decided 2,700 cases, which is quite a bit more than, what, the half a dozen or dozen cases that you decided in the two or, or worked on. Abe, in the two years that, that you worked at MCAO. Hamaday and Mays also traded punches on the hot-button issues of abortion and sparred over the 2020 election as well. For expanded debate coverage or to listen to our previous conversations with both candidates, visit kawc.org and look for our podcast page. You're listening to The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. Nieves Rydell has played a big role in literally building Yuma South County. Her construction company began changing the area's landscape decades ago. Now she and the city are eyeing eastern expansion as she prepares to move into San Luis's mayor's office. We sat down to talk about the city's past, its present issues with the border, and what the future might hold. You've been in... San Luis for quite some time. When did you move to the city? Uh, we started doing business in San Luis 34 years ago, and I've been a city of San, San Luis resident for the past 30, uh, 20 years. What was it like when you first came to San Luis? When we first started doing business in San Luis, uh, it was a small town that ended at 4th uh, Avenue. It was uh, four paved streets, um, one traffic light, and uh, two schools. So we come a long way. Oh, for sure. You know, for for those for people who haven't been around for a while, um, it really has grown, and it continues to grow. Where would you like to see the city go in the future? What direction would you like to see it head in? Well, we're already in the process. We're heading east because it's, the, it's what it makes sense. Going east towards the foothills is the logical thing to do because if you go 
if you go down at the valley, it's all farmland. And uh, I don't blame the farmers for not wanting to sell. Uh, they really want to keep the, the fields uh, aimed at uh, keep um, working them. And it's one of our biggest uh, sources of uh, uh, work. So there's no land available. The only land available is going towards the east, towards the foothills, and that's where we're going. Also, I think it's supposed to start in May of 2024. We're going to start seeing construction begin on the port expansion. How important is that port expansion to San Luis, Arizona's future? Well, it is important, but I think uh, getting the San Luis port number two open should be a priority. Um, uh, the the extension that um, they're going to be doing, we're going to be doing, is supposed to help with the traffic going into Mexico or coming from Mexico uh, towards us. But uh, coming from Mexico to the States, uh, it will work. Going from the States to Mexico, it's not going to work. It doesn't matter how many how many uh, crossings we have going south because uh, the problem is in Mexico. Okay, once you, you approach the Mexican uh, port of entry, you get stuck in the first street. So uh, uh, we're still going to have the big lines going, uh, going south uh, because Mexico needs to fix uh, the other side. While we're talking about the border, let's talk about border security. A lot of people come from Phoenix to tell us what's going on along our southern border. You live along the southern border. You work along the southern border. What's it like down there? Uh, San Luis, Arizona is a pretty safe city to live here. You know, you know your neighbors. You know every single police uh, man by name if you've been along um, time residents like me but there's no question the violence across the border is beginning to really affect us uh last week i think it was on thursday uh, there was three homicides in uh in, two in the county and one i believe on the lane yeah they were reported and, within 10 minutes of each other which is really kind of crazy i i, I know isn't that something and um and I think that uh, we're beginning to see the violence that is going on in San Luis, Mexico, uh, come across. Uh, this is not normal. This is not normal whatsoever. I am deeply concerned. I am concerned about the violence because of the drugs, more so than um, the problem that we have with uh, with uh, with the illegal uh, coming across in 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 droves, uh, which is is something that I have never seen in the 30, 30 some years that I've been operating in San Luis. This is this is kind of um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have words to express. I'm amazed on how open our borders are. I'm an immigrant myself, okay? I don't have nothing against legal immigration. My parents immigrated from Mexico to the States, but we when my parents went through the right process. And uh, right now, it's totally out of control. My family has lived here on and off since the 1950s. And so 
you kind of, if you live here, you get used to people seeing who've crossed illegally. I'm, you know, wrong, right, or indifferent. You see it, and it becomes not such a big deal. But when you go down there and you see people, like, just streaming across the border, it's kind of mind-blowing, to be honest. Yeah, it looks like we don't have any laws to prevent this. And in my opinion, and this is my humble opinion, is the federal government that is not doing their job. They're leaving the municipalities, the county, the city of Yuma to handle this, or the state. Even the state, even the government is trying to do something. But I think it's the federal government that they need to find a solution about this immigration problem that it had exploded. like I said, I don't have nothing against uh, people from other countries coming, but the abrasive way that they're coming, and when I see the Border Patrol agents' uh, face, uh, because we see them every day, and how tired and how, how let down they feel, uh, it's like, uh, I don't know how they can go about keep working on a job that is basically, uh, they're not letting them do their job. They're just babysitting people around. And uh, it's unbelievable. I thought that I would never see something like this. In my opinion, us, that we are a border town, this is out of control. You're about to move back into the mayor's office. You were mayor once, and now you're coming back. Do you plan to reach out to Senator Kelly, Senator Cinema, Representative Grijalva? Uh, I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm, uh, that's one of the big problems that I have. I'm very outspoken. Uh, uh, I'm not afraid of uh, speaking my mind. Uh, I keep telling everybody I'm not against immigration, but it has to be fix. And believe me, they're going to hear from me. They have heard from me as a private citizen, as a business owner, because sometimes we we build very close to the border. And sometimes we have to call uh, our PD, uh, the police department, because when they come in droves, they, they go through our houses. And we're afraid of one day somebody might be hurt. Because let's face it, not everybody that is coming to this country, uh, not everybody is coming with good intentions. I'm not paranoid, but nobody's going to convince me that 100% of the people that are breaking the law come with good intentions. The majority are good people. But once in a while, you're going to have a, a problem with a troublemaker. And uh, when I see my my workers exposed to that, and my hands are tied, and the only thing that we can do is call our police department, and they call the Border Patrol. But believe me, there's not enough Border Patrols to take care of the problem. So we just, you know, try not to make any waves with the people that are coming across our property, uh, because you don't know. You don't know who could be armed. So and in, it is a problem. It is a problem. You know, and, and in the past, we've seen 
Doug Nichols seemed to take a leading role in like appearing to manage or deal with the situation and not so much from the South County mayors. Do we expect that to change in the future? Yes, definitely. Because uh, nothing against uh, Mayor Nichols. I have the most respect for him. He's an engineer. He he is a very hardworking uh, person. I'm looking forward on working with him. And I basically want him to know that in South County, he's going to have a person that is going to try to help him and back him up on on this problem with immigration that we have. Because we are the border town. San Luis is the border town. And, uh, and it seems like um, the county and... Uh, and the city of Yuma are, are the ones that are carrying this problem. Uh, uh, and it should not be like that. We are part of the problem. We should be part of the solution. San Luis Mayor Nieves Rydell, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. You're listening to The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. The U.S. Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade put America on a political roller coaster ride. Arizona, too, has seen shift and changes in the laws governing the procedure, with the latest court ruling making a pre-statehood ban the overriding statute. It not only outlaws abortion in all but the narrowest of circumstances, it also criminalizes it, with providers facing up to two years of prison time. Apparently, the voters are paying attention. A new OH Predictive Insights poll shows 91% of likely voters surveyed think abortion should be legal under certain circumstances. 64% say it will influence their vote. That number rose to 68% among female respondents. We turn to OH Predictive's chief researcher, Mike Noble, and Arizona State political science professor, Dr. Gina Woodall, for the context behind the numbers. We've been doing a lot of polling on this, especially since the Roe v. Wade leaking of the decision, you know, four or five months ago happened. And what we, we found is that uh, we tested that, hey, you know, that old law that's on the books is when they pulled back. Uh, Roe v. Wade, they said, hey, federal law doesn't apply anymore. It all is going to be up to the state's decision. So uh, it would revert back to whatever is currently on the books. And the one we had was when Arizona was still a territory. But when we tested that, uh, the vast majority of Arizonans, a majority, were very much in opposition to that, but especially among those that are in younger of age and especially among basically all female demographics, um, you know, suburban women, Hispanic females uh, to, you know, even Republican females uh, in younger age groups uh, were very much against it. In fact, 68% of the women polled said that it would strongly impact their lives. Uh, Dr. Woodall, does that response rate surprise you at all? I'm not surprised with that statistic. Uh, I think that there is a lot of confusion over what you know, what, what, what is the law? Um, you know, we have the attorney general saying that that pre-statehood law um, is, is the law of the land. And we have the governor saying that, no, the 15-week ban is the law of the land. And who all of this is going to affect most um, are women. So I think this is going to drive women even more uh, to the polls than women in general on average 
vote in slightly higher numbers anyway. Mike, I don't know how recently you've OHPI has looked at governor's numbers, but a, a lot of the other polls and some of the aggregate sites show it just neck and neck between Carrie Lake, who is uh, an ardent pro-life candidate, and Katie Hobbs, who is adamantly pro-choice. Do you collectively think that this ruling is going to increase Katie Hobbs' chances at the polls? Well, I, I think it definitely will give her a boost because right now the governor's race, believe it or not, it is absolutely unequivocally a toss-up between uh, Hobbs and Carrie Lake. What we're seeing here, when you look at like Carrie Lake's numbers, for example, uh, she's doing really well or performing well with conservatives, but also uh, among male voters. However, she really has a female problem when it comes to the electorate. So when you look at uh, uh, basically independent females or females in general, or suburban uh, moms, you see that uh, she's uh, underperforming to Katie Hobbs among those groups. And that could very well be due to the abortion stances. But as this information comes out, uh, voters don't like uncertainty and nothing's a better motivator than fear, uh, especially if, you know, you're in one of those situations and you're not able to, um, you know, uh, go about it the way you want to. Uh, ultimately, that can be a motivator and I think be a benefit to uh, Hobbs. But we're already seeing it uh, in the numbers. What do you think, Dr. Woodall? I think that, you know, that gap, the kind of the, the woman problem that, um, you know, Carrie Lake has, I mean, it, it, it is a pretty large gap, wasn't it, Mike? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's really telling. And again, I think that that's, that's just, that's really telling. I mean, you know, Carrie Lake, um, although you know, although they're they're neck and neck, and it's it's considered a toss up again with the recent events, I think that this is definitely going to to help Hobbs, if if nothing else, just because of this issue. You know, of course, there are other important issues, even more important issues to voters, um, but I think for for women and and in particular, you know, they are not they are not going um, the way of Lake. I'm looking at your polling, um, Mike, and I'm, it's kind of interesting the way it breaks down that the top issues do really are really separate for members of, of either party. You know, Republicans have immigration at the top of their list, and for Democrats, oh, it's yeah. all about the jobs. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. So Democrats are kind of split between like jobs and economy and healthcare, and, and and it's interesting is that immigration is almost pretty much fueled by Republicans. Secondly, by independents, Democrats care less. Uh, jobs and the economy, uh, most important issue to independents, but also very high up on Democrats and Republicans' list. But healthcare is very much driven by Democrats still, and I kind of call it a little bit of COVID PTSD uh, that we're seeing in the numbers there. And then what's also very interesting is that education not as high on the list as what it normally was the last few election cycles. We would see education would rise up in, in importance as we march towards Election Day. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's interesting that uh, the Red for Red movement was big the last few cycles. But for this one, uh, not so much. It's not surprising. Um, and again, if you see, uh, you know, the, the advertisements coming out by the candidates themselves and then also by the third party groups, I mean, you, you know, you see, you see the focus, right? You see immigration um, coming out from, 
Lake focusing on immigration and from Hobbs because Hobbs needs to then kind of, you know, refute that, that she's not tough on immigration, that she's weak on immigration. So then she has her ads out about, about that. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting how, um, how they present themselves, right? How these two uh, candidates present themselves as competent on, on certain issues. So, of course, they have to talk about immigration. They both do. Um, but I think Lake, you know, Carrie Lake is going to use more of a, a fear, you know, tactic. And that's something that Mike had alluded to before. Whereas Katie Hobbs is going to just talk about competence and getting the job done and, and reforming. And of course, jobs and the economy. I mean, that is, you know, I mean, things are really hard right now and they probably disproportionately, you know, affect um, people in the gig economy and people with, uh, you know, lower paying jobs in particular. It's just tough with inflation and everything else. So the fact that that's, you know, uh, an important issue uh, for Democrats is not surprising. Yes, jobs and economy, number one. But let's be honest, Democrats are really not touching that issue with a 10-foot pole. And they, people go, oh, wait, the, the, but, but the job rate is really low right now. Okay, I get that. However, but the consumers, what they're feeling in inflation, one of the more visible mm-hmm. signs of inflation was like the pain at the pump. But also, yeah. look, you know, to the grocery store, just in general of what it costs to buy a good and service. And so, and that, that inflation is really the issue. But then also we having these rising um, interest rates that are really putting a tamper down on the housing market. But also, if you're trying to get into a home right now, what your payment would be compared to what it could have been four months ago is starkly different. And so the Democrats don't want to touch economy. But as a Democrat running for uh, governor, you have you have to be uh, strong on the border. Otherwise, it's very mm-hmm. tough to get elected here. Uh, but uh, for their uh, specialty issues, uh, Democrats are kind of really trying to lean into the abortion issue because the numbers are pretty clear that uh, majority of Arizonans are on, on their side with it. So it is a good uh, hill to fight on compared to uh, some of these other ones. And so that's where you're seeing these uh, the tugging and pulling. Uh, but at the end of the day, voters are going to go with what impacts them most directly. I think it's really important, too, uh, you know, in, in independence. Um, is that I think that, you know, they're, they're going to be deciding, uh, this election, um, like, like most of our close elections. So the fact, you know, they <laughs> turnout's really, really important. And then again, which issues are most important to independents and then just which way, you know. Thanks to OHPI's Mike Noble and ASU's Dr. Gina Woodall for the great conversation. Mike tells us they'll have a new poll on the races for governor and U.S. Senate in the next couple of weeks, so we'll look forward to another conversation. In the meantime, we'll post the full details of OHPI's latest poll on our website. This is The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. If you voted in August's primary election, you're likely good to go for the upcoming November 8th contest. But deadlines are approaching if you need to register, if you moved, or if you've decided you want to try the mail-in option. Yuma County Elections Director Tiffany Anderson fills us in on what we need to take care of, how we need to take care of it, and where. The deadline to register to vote for the November 8th general election is uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. It's going to be Tuesday, October 11th. They must register to vote by 11.59 p.m. And they can do that very easily online. 
um, at servicearizona.com. What do registered voters need to do by the 11th? That's a deadline um, for any currently registered voter who needs to change anything on their voter registration. If you've moved, you need to update your address. If you want to change your political party affiliation, if you need a name change, all of those things need to be done also by October 11th in order to have your voter registration record accurate for the general election. And then when can mail-in voters begin to start seeing ballots? Early voting starts that very next day on Wednesday, October 12th. What that means is early ballots will be mailed on Wednesday, October 12th. They should receive them within a few days after that date. Um, But that's also the first date that they can come in to our office at 102 South Main Street and vote early in person. So they can vote early um, in person in our office Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. starting October 12th, all the way through Friday, November 4th. Once you get your mail-in ballot, there's drop boxes all over the place. Where can people find those? That's correct. So we have six locations where our secured early ballot drop boxes are located. Uh, There is one located in front of our office on Main Street, which is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week as well as five locations at our libraries. And those libraries are in uh, Welton, the Foothills, Main Library, Summerton, and San Luis. Uh, We have exciting news. Um, All of the drop boxes at the libraries for the primary were located inside the entryway, which means they were only available during uh, the library's operation hours. However, in two of those locations, because of the high volume of early ballots um, received at those locations, the county recorder decided to put a second drop box on the exterior of those um, library locations in the Foothills and San Luis, which will also be available 24-7. Check your voter registration now. You can do it very easily at my.arizona.vote. That way you know if there's something that needs to be changed um, with that updated voter registration record uh, by the deadline of October 11th. And also, as early voting gets started, have that plan in place of how you want to vote. If you're voting early by mail or in your home, please return those early ballots early. That ensures that we can give you the most complete results on election night. Um, If you want to vote early but aren't comfortable with um, voting in your home, please come down to our office and vote early between October 12th and November 4th. And finally, if you want to vote on Election Day, know where those eight vote centers are located and um, just make that plan so you can ensure that, that you're able to cast your ballot in the general election. That was Yuma County Elections Director Tiffany Anderson. We'll check back in with Tiffany as we get closer to Election Day for all those last-minute details. In the meantime, the Yuma County website has a wealth of information for voters and a whole lot of helpful links. Next week on The Field, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs is back to talk about the final push at the polls and her decision not to debate Carrie Lake. U.S. Senator Mark Kelly, however, is up for a face-off. He'll debate Republican Blake Masters next Thursday, and we'll have the hits and highlights beginning 9.30 Friday morning. You can also catch us at 11.30 on Saturday mornings and now at 6.30 on Sundays, too.
The Field is a production of KAWC, Colorado River Public Media. Send your questions or comments to me, lisa.sturgis at kawc.org. Our theme music was composed by Steve Hennig and performed by members of the Yuma Jazz Company. For more information on their music, visit humajazz.com. Thanks so much for listening to The Field. Remember, you can always hear the show at kawc.org, on the KAWC app, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Lisa Sturgis. I hope you'll be back again next week. Till then, keep yourself informed.